The American Cancer Society Action Network released its first report examining the cost of treating cancer and specifically the out-of-pocket portions patients face. The report released at the organization's annual National Policy Forum found U.S. cancer patients paid nearly $4 billion in out-of-the-pocket costs in 2014 and disease cost the country $87.8 billion in cancer-related health care spending. These are big numbers, almost too difficult to imagine. I'm Dr. Brian McDonough, host of Primary Care Today, and my guest is Jennifer Singletary, Senior Analyst, Policy Analysis and Legislative Support, the American Cancer Society Action Network. And the report is The Cost of Cancer. Jennifer, thanks for joining us. You're very welcome. My first question for you, I mean, these are almost ridiculous numbers, but we're talking about some very severe conditions like breast, lung, and colorectal cancer. Tell me a little bit about how you got the numbers and and what they really mean in the long run. One of the reasons that we did this study was actually because those national numbers, the billions of dollars, it's kind of unfathomable. So we actually did this report to come up with some real case studies to, you know, make the numbers digestible for a patient, for a person. So in the report, we actually talk about three examples of cancer patients, you know, a breast cancer, colorectal cancer, and a lung cancer. And first, we kind of came up with these patient profiles. We actually worked with our colleagues at the American Cancer Society. Of course, there are many oncologists and experts in cancer treatment there. And we worked with them to come up with kind of a typical profile, and I'm putting typical in air quotes, There is no average cancer patient, as we all know. It's so many different diseases, in fact. But we worked to come up with some scenarios that happen to a lot of people, essentially. So we came up with the profiles, and then we worked with a firm in D.C. called Avalier to estimate the costs that those patients might pay in three different insurance scenarios. And those scenarios were employer-sponsored insurance, Medicare, and an individual marketplace plan. And when you did that, I see some of the numbers here. You were saying basically that the total patient costs, including premiums, deductibles, co-pays, and co-insurance, they would range from nearly 6000 a year on an employer-sponsored plan to more than 10000 on an exchange plan. That's a lot of money, especially when you start to think about it in personal terms and coming up with those dollars. Exactly. It's a lot of money, and particularly that example for the individual marketplace plan, this is a patient that we assumed that her annual income was $35,000 a year, which is a typical person on the individual market who's getting subsidies. So imagine that's your annual income, and then you have to pay over $10,000 in a year, and it's not even over the whole year. It's concentrated within the first three months of when you got that positive screening and start going for all those diagnostic tests. So once you hit a maximum spending limit, then you're only paying premiums. But if you look at the graphs in the report, the spending spikes to a really high point early on after they were diagnosed. We as physicians, when we're treating patients, we we obviously know about dealing with the devastating diagnosis and coming to grips with it and deciding to fight it and all those steps. But we We think about the finances, but I'm sure most doctors are really worrying about treating the patients, coming up with the right choices, those things. In this case, it really puts a number that you can see. The other thing is sometimes people have to leave their network. You might work or insurance might have a network which doesn't provide necessarily the care that you would need for your specific condition, and that can get really expensive as well. 
Yes, out-of-network costs are a problem that we highlight in the report. We had to make some decisions about how to structure these case studies and put costs to them. And we had to assume that all of the treatment for these example patients was in-network just because it varies so widely, you know, how much a cancer patient has to go out-of-network and what their out-of-network coverage is. So we kept everyone in network, but we talk in the report about how big the bill can grow when a patient has to go out of network. And that's common for cancer patients, particularly when they don't live in a huge city that has a lot of providers or if they have a rare cancer type that needs to be treated by someone who's an expert in the field and there might not be that many experts in the field. Yeah, out-of-network costs are a big problem for a lot of cancer patients. You're listening to Primary Care Today on ReachMD. I'm your host, Dr. Brian McDonough. My guest is Jennifer Singletary. She's Senior Analyst, Policy Analysis and Legislative Support, the American Cancer Society Action Network. And we're talking about the report on the cost of cancer. What other things did you learn um, beyond the numbers in doing this? Were, were you surprised? Was this was this more or less what you expected? To some extent, it was what we expected. I think one of the most impactful things that came from this report, we have a and I know no one is looking at the report right now, but we have this this page of graphs that shows the monthly costs for the cancer patient, and you can see the huge spikes in their monthly costs. So they go for that positive screening, and then they go through those those initial diagnostic tests and maybe starting prepping for surgery and all of those things, and their costs spike to multiple thousands of dollars, which is very hard for a lot of people to spend in a short amount of time. I think one of the most surprising things for a lot of people when they're looking at this report is to see those monthly costs and the pattern of costs and then, you know, imagining it, compare it with your own budget and realize how difficult that could be paying those bills. We know that some recent survey data showed that almost half of Americans could not afford to pay an emergency medical expense of at least $400 without either using a credit card or going into debt. And all of these cancer patients in our examples were paying multiple thousands of dollars for the first several months of their cancer treatment. So what do they do in this situation? You can try to negotiate with some of your providers. You can go on payment plans. You can use credit cards and go into debt, which is what happens a lot. There are financial assistance programs. So there are some options, and one of the important things is to talk with your doctor and make them aware that you potentially you know, could have problems paying and, and whether or not there are other options in the treatment plan. But sometimes there aren't any other options, and so a lot of patients end up putting things on their credit card, going into debt, borrowing from family and friends. So it really turns into an unfortunate situation that that will follow them for a long time, even after they're done with treatment. There's a lot of political talk right now, Congress, the Senate, we're going to keep Obamacare, we're not, we're going to move to this, we're going to move to that. Does any of it make a difference when it comes to cancer? I mean, are people really getting help? It seems like the numbers are, are outrageous either way. Well, so the numbers here, remember we said, you know, the, the cancer patient in these examples was paying anywhere from 6000 to 10000 
those numbers could get so much bigger if a few of the policies change in health insurance right now. So one of the most important things that protected these kind of example patients was the maximum out-of-pocket limit. There's a policy that limits the amount of spending a patient has to do out-of-pocket per year for their insurance, and and that limit is currently just over $10,000. So if that limit were not in place or if fewer benefits applied to that limit, uh, which is something the House bill was attempting to change, if that limit was higher, then you know all of these patients would have been paying even more. Far be from primary care doc. So my understanding of the the finances obviously is limited, like many people. But one of the concerns they had with the present system, if I'm not mistaken, is was it sustainable to keep the costs that low, or is that something that we need to at least hear that? Well, right now that's good, but we keep going at this pace that would end up going up. Do you think that's, if we keep everything the same, do you see those numbers going up or are they locked in? The maximum out-of-pocket limit, it grows a little bit every year with inflation and, you know, there are all kinds of details with that. I mean, I think there are certainly things that need to be fixed and, and policies that could be working better. But in general, the current system we have that allows people who need health insurance allows them to get it and be able to afford their premiums and has some limits on their spending and federal standards for benefits coverage. We think it it was working pretty well for cancer patients. There are certainly some changes we could make, but we are very concerned with the changes that are proposed in the House bill, and we look forward to working with everyone to come up with better solutions. You're listening to Primary Care Today on ReachMD. My guest is Jennifer Singletary. couple questions. If we ever go to a single payer system, which some say our country is on this inexorable pace to eventually get there, One of the problems in other countries is limitations or rationing of care. That also is concerning for physicians, and and obviously, if you're a patient, it's particularly concerning if if you have a diagnosis where you need greater care. What would happen in that situation through your analysis? Does it even look like we're heading to that path? How do we avoid that? I'm not totally sure how to answer that. The the thing that comes to my mind when we talk about kind of universal health care is, you know, we do have the Medicare system. And we know that, again, like I just said with the Affordable Care Act, there are certainly some things that we could fix with Medicare. But in general, it seems to work for most patients and getting them cancer care. Well, because it's incentivized by other people paying more who have insurance in other forms. So you can take hits in Medicare because other insurance will pay more and it balances out. But I'm just I'm just asking the question. No political <laughs> stat one or the other. I think both both parties seem to be getting to a point where we're gonna get a single payer ultimately. And if we get a single payer, I, I travel to Ireland quite a bit and people wait a long time to get routine things done, is that where we're heading as a country? And with cancer, that's critical. Or are there safeguards? Can the American Cancer Society do anything? Can anyone do anything to avoid that? Because it does seem that that's where we're heading and where both political groups would like to see us eventually get. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, certainly having major delays for care would be a big problem for a lot of cancer patients. In all of these treatment profiles, you saw these patients, you know, get that positive screening and they go right into treatment because if there are delays, you can have worse 
treatment outcomes. Right, so that's right. certainly very concerning. From my perspective, we have a long way to go <laughs> to get to that system that you're describing. So I'm not sure that we've really thought that far ahead. We're we're focused on trying to keep the policies in place that will allow people to get quality insurance. I want to thank you so much, Jennifer, for joining us on Primary Care today on ReachMD. It was a pleasure having you and uh, some tough issues, but fortunately there's people like you looking at the numbers, slicing and dicing them, and giving us something to work with, and I really appreciate it. All right. Happy to do it. This is Dr. Brian McDonough. If you missed any of this discussion, please visit ReachMD.com slash Primary Care today. You can download the podcast. You can learn more about the series. Thank you for listening and being a part of the knowledge.